do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet full of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E-2-0. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. Now part of the ChairShot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. Remember, always use your head. You look like a dude who should be pumping my fucking gas. This isn't doing it for me. There's, I'm not getting, I'm not getting enjoyment out of this. He was a before the bell rings all star. All right, everybody, it is Wednesday night, July 27th, 2023. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, part of the ChairShot Radio Network. You can find us on thechairshot.com, where we encourage you and remind you to always use your head. You can also find us on just about all your podcasting platforms. Go look us up, the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. I'm going to go, well, I would normally go around the room and introduce all our (laughs) cast of characters, but uh, we are minus one tonight, so... Two of us flying together tonight, the original two, uh, from the Rob the Genius podcast, the Minister of Truth, the Father of Facts and Figures, the Deacon of Data, the official shoot bear of the Mindless Wrestling podcast, and the man with the golden shovel, Mr. Rob. Welcome back, sir. Oh, thank you. Good to be back. Uh, always good to have you. Uh, on assignment this week is Jason. Uh, we'll miss him. Hopefully, we'll have Jason back next week. But uh, you know, he's got some things to take care of, so Rob and I are going to Keep chipping the water here and keep going. I am the man with the award-winning and holy beard DJ. Uh, we got a little bit of a packed show here to talk about tonight. Uh, not only celebrating uh, Triple H's birthday, but also celebrating one full year of Triple H in charge of WWE Creative. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Um, we're also going to talk about the idea that's been kicked around that WWE may, you know, we've already had WrestleMania for two nights, what, three years now, Rob? Yeah, let me see. It started with 2020. So yeah, it started in 2020. So four, four times. So this will be four years. Okay, I'm, I'm wrong. 
So four years of WrestleMania being two nights, there's an idea being kicked around that a couple of the other big four pay-per-view premium live events, Deej, uh, may also extend to being two night events. We've got some thoughts on that. But I want to kick the show off tonight with uh, something that Tyler Breeze said about Dolph Ziggler and, um, you know, kind of setting expectations for transitioning from NXT to the main roster. And we've got a little passage here that I'm going to turn over to Rob and let Rob read. And then we're going to we're going to kick this around a little bit because he really had some interesting, interesting words of advice from Dolph Ziggler to one Tyler Breeze. And there's there's definitely a discussion to be had here, Rob. Yeah. So Tyler Breeze got called up to the main roster in 2015. And I remember because that was around the time 2015 is when, when I started going to house shows again. And I actually saw him wrestle Dolph Ziggler at a house show, like I think like December of 2015, I think. Because I think they were they they had was their first program was with each other. Well, Breeze's first program was with Dolph. Right, because at the time Dolph was kind of considered the the gatekeeper for the NXT call ups. Yeah. So, and so uh, Breeze, he was doing an interview with somebody, and he uh, he basically was talking about his first days on the main roster. And here's what he said. He said. Um, uh, Dolph gave him some advice. He said, I remember Dolph explained this to me before. As soon as I got up to SmackDown, he said, look, man, this is the thing. You can see very clearly who their guys are, and you can see very clearly who their guys are not. You and me, we're not those guys. <laughs> <laughs> we're not their guys. Um, and, you know, and Ziggler would tell Breeze that even if they steal the spotlight, it'll still be placed on bigger talent. But Ziggler would add that the upside to not being a top guy in WWE is that you gain a cult following with the fans. And Bree said Dolph's reasoning was that the fans would always be behind the talent in question and could always rely on said talent to have good matches and promos despite not winning. And so, and we are literally seeing that play out <laughs> in real time right now with one with LA Knight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although, and because clearly, look, he was obviously not brought up there to be a top guy. He, he was not he was not brought there for that obviously not i think that's pretty clear yeah um but i guess the, you know the question is of course are they you know are they changing their mind or what we don't know yet we'll see yeah. but um in this case well dolph was one of the probably one of the most level-headed people on that roster i mean i mean the most self-aware people on that roster he he, he knows who he is he knows where he is uh, he gets it. He doesn't, you know, he's okay with it. And, you know, this is something my dad said to me once. He's like, um, he said, like, you're very, if, if he always told me, look, if, if you're able to get all the things you want to achieve out of your job, you're very fortunate. Most people have to figure out where their job fits into making the rest of their life better. Yeah. That's sage advice. And, you know, it's it's interesting because you could look at Tyler Breeze, and when I look at his NXT run, the character, everything about him was custom-made for the main roster. He had a great character fleshed out. This is an annoying heel that is going to come to the main roster and make a big splash, and then he didn't. Yeah. And you could look at that, and, and you know, during that period of time, people were really, really heavily critical of how the main roster handled NXT call-ups. You know, we had the vaudevillians, the vaudevillians, which just floundered. We had, um, God, what were the demolition knockoffs? I've since oh, forgotten. The, the, the Ascension. Ascension. 
Yeah. The Ascension yeah. floundered. Yeah. So, you know, so obviously people are because and, and down in NXT, these two teams were highly regarded. Yes. I mean, you know, very, very highly regarded. So you think it's going to be an easy transition. And then it wasn't. So a lot of people got in their feelings about that. So obviously, you know, when guys like Tyler Breeze and eventually Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and, and so on and so forth get called up, the there's a pocket of fans that are very protective of that. And to say Tyler Breeze really didn't make a big splash on the main roster is probably an understatement. Fantastic worker. I never had a problem with the guy. I was always a fan. And I, if he had, you know, gone on to have a, a great lengthy WWE run, I'd have been perfectly fine with that. What I find interesting is he doesn't hold any grudge over it. Like I've seen interviews with this guy and he's very humble, you know, and even when he was on the main roster and he wasn't doing much, I, you know, I followed him online and he would, you know, go back and forth with, you know, obviously the, 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 you deserve better fans are probably in his mentions every day. And he's like, look, pal, I just bought a second home. Yeah. You know, I, I look at my bank account and my bank account looks pretty good. Yeah. And, and, and I love that type of humility from people. You know, it's, a, you appreciate, look, okay, I'm good. And Tyler Breeze was good. You know, he, he was good. He had the character worked out. He had all the tools just for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. But for him to understand that and say, hey, you know what? I've got a good job. I'm making good money. It affords me a good lifestyle. Where's the problem with this? And if you can reconcile that and be okay with it, I, I truly feel like you've got a job for life, you know, with WWE, like Adolph Ziggler. Yeah. And even Breeze, I mean, he ultimately got released, but he still works there doing like up, up, down, down stuff. Yeah. I want to say I read recently that he's actually still collecting a Fed paycheck. Yeah, I think, like I think not just up, up, down, down. I think he still do, goes in and does some NXT training and stuff, doesn't he? I, th- I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and he has his own school also. So uh, right. So and look and and now I mean he's made good money. He's free to do his own stuff now. And if they ever do call him back, you know, great. I mean, and he can and he can actually make he can actually decide whether he wants to go back if they call him back. Yeah. He's not desperate, you know, like some, you know, some people, as soon as that phone rings, they're on the first thing to Stanford. Right. But, you know, he actually has, you know, has gotten to a point in life where if they call him and he doesn't really feel like doing it, he doesn't have to. Yeah. Uh, um, And that's kind of, and that's really where you want to get, right? I mean, where, where I, you I have to imagine at some point, just because it was fun and if they can find a way to fit it in somewhere, Tyler Breeze and uh, Breezango has to make a comeback in some capacity at some point because oh, I yeah. found the fashion files and that whole unit to be a heck of a lot of fun. It was. And I'm look, I'm sure at some point on one of these reunion shows or anniversary shows, they're gonna they're gonna bring them back in, I'm sure, at some point. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, Dango's still in good shape. Breeze, as far as I know, is still in good shape. Dango's still working regularly. Yeah. He's worked the indie, he worked uh, my local indie guy here. Atomic, I think he's calling it Atomic Legacy Wrestling now. He's changed the name like five times in the last five years. <laughs> uh, but I think it's Atomic Legacy Wrestling now. Alex Red is the promoter. And I think he's had, I think I think he's going by Dirty Dango Kurt or Curdy or something like that now. Oh, okay. So, yeah, and because um, and he, does, he does some work in Impact too. So oh, okay. Okay. And so, yeah, I mean, one day, look, yeah, one day they'll definitely put them get them back on for one of those specials or something uh but it is one of those because look i mean look in my own career um i went in i had aspirations of going up to management 
And I went after a few management positions. And for, you know, different reasons, it, in each case, for different reasons, it didn't happen. Yeah. And you just, I know some people, I've, I've known people who just threw a fit about that kind of thing and, and stormed off and left altogether, right? Um, but it's like one of those things you got to make, you got to make a decision. Like, okay, um, you know, I, I'm making good enough money here. I'm not going to make more anywhere else I could go. Um, as far you know, it does, this place doesn't drive me crazy every day. I you know, look, some people have jobs where you know they're they're drinking as soon as they get home. Um, <laughs> hey, know, I feel attacked here, pal. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, but um, and you, you look at the whole picture, and and I always think about what my dad said. Look, um, you know, some people get to you know achieve everything they want through their job, and most people you have to figure out you know you use your job to make the rest of your life better yeah um and and like if you look at Dolph, i mean like Dolph does his comedy show stuff you know um when you know like i think he's doing something something like all the big four pay-per-view weekends he usually has a show in that town doing his comedy thing with his brother um so he gets to do that um he should, you know, when they call him, you know, he comes in there, he does what they need, he does what they ask of him. And again, he's another guy, he, he's very well adjusted. He, you know, he seems, you know, very content with where he is, not, not complacent, but just, hey, you know what? I'm in this position and I can, you know, this is what I can get from being in this position. So let's, you know, we're going to do that. Um, and it's just it's it's important um, it's because look in the wrestling business ultimately somebody else decides your fate. Yeah. And in in some cases it gets decided very early. Let's like he was explaining the breeze here, and you know there aren't there are even the people who on you know in kayfabe you know break the glass ceiling so to speak. Mm-hmm. Those people were. I mean, in real life, those people were already getting favorable treatment. They were already getting handled differently. It's just they didn't get a storyline to play it out until later. Right. Like, you can look at Daniel Bryant from the moment he got there in WWE, and you can just, and it was just what they were giving him to do and where they were putting him and whatnot. Um, I mean, yeah, he had the Yes Movement underdog story. But he had always been treated like somebody that they brought there to do big things. Right. They knew what they had with Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And same with CM Punk. I mean, you know, same thing. Uh, and so, honestly, because, I mean, that's why I kind of chafe at a lot of these when, when people say the office didn't want me, because that's usually bullshit. Um, but um, if you are somebody that they just brought in just to be there, or, you know, then you, you know, you, you got to decide what, what that means to you. Uh, and you got to, I mean, in, in some cases, like with, with Trinity, you know, she, she stuck it out for 10 years and then she finally was like, you know what? Um, yeah, I think I can do more than this. I'm going to try to do it somewhere else. Uh, yeah. but, and then some people, and I think in her case, she was right. Um, but now, but some people really are, you know, Hey man, you're a mid Carter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
hey man, you're a tag team wrestler. Okay, that's what it is. Um, and some people, I think that's that's what it is. And you can, yeah. you you know, and you just have to you have to decide how you're going to deal with that. We we have to stop as fans treating wrestlers who are never going to be main event stars like they're secondary. Like you can look at the roster and say, okay, you know, at least for now, Chad Gable and Otis are tag team. Okay. Absolutely phenomenal talent. And Chad Gable is killing it right now. Yeah. As an in-ring performer. But when I look at what they've got at the top of the card, and then I look at Chad Gable for right now, he ain't in that spot. And if he never makes it to that spot, we've got to stop acting like somehow or another his career got shortchanged. Chad Gable has managed to find a home on TV for well over a year now. He's been killing it in this little segment he's in, and all these little parts and pieces are important to the entire machine. And wrestling fans just don't accept that. It's like world championship or bust. And that's, that's so ridiculous because you don't have a world champion if you don't have a Dolph Ziggler. Look at Kofi Mania. Look at Kofi Kingston's run. His best feud was with Dolph Ziggler. Yes. You know, they had amazing matches. They had amazing chemistry. It was great. But there's none of that if you don't have the Dolph Ziggler's of the world. Like, as we mentioned many, many times on this show, Natalia. Natalia is a gem in that company that no one appreciates except for the people that work with her. Exactly. You know? And I get so sick of hearing the, you know, Natalia needs to retire. Natalia needs to give it up. Why? For what? She's filling a role, as Rob has mentioned many a times, none of you wants your favorites to fill. And as a worker, if you can reconcile yourself to, okay, this is my lane. This is what I'm meant for. They pay me well enough to do it. As Rob said, you know, let your job enhance your life. Exactly. And, um, you know, we've talked about, talked about Cesaro a bunch of times because it, it, it just drives me crazy that people act like, you know, seven tag team championships with three different partners and winning the Andre Battle Royal and being U.S. champion and getting a main event with Roman Reigns. People act like none of that matters because he didn't get a token world title ring. Yeah. Well, even worse, they do it with CM Punk. You know, CM Punk got hand-fed every single thing WWE had to offer, and people still act like WWE did it wrong because they fired him. Oh, and because he didn't get he didn't get a WrestleMania main event. He didn't get a WrestleMania. Like everything else that dude got handed at right. a time when he and I've said this before on this show. I I was a fan of CM Punk, you know, but I also after almost forty years of watching Vince McMahon television knew what Vince McMahon looked for, and CM Punk wasn't it. So right. when CM Punk got jettisoned to the front of the line, I was like, really? This guy? I'm like, I'll go with it. I rock with it because I like the guy. But I'm also looking at it like this is an odd choice given everything that I've watched at the time over the last 25, almost 30 years. So, you know, for, for people to pretend like they didn't give that guy a chance and because he didn't get a WrestleMania main event, that somehow his career was meaningless, full stop. Full stop, man, because it just it's revisionist history. Right, exactly. And it's um like I said, the Cesaro thing irks me because I mean, if he had I mean 
y'all really wanted him to win the world title and then get the briefcase cash on him five minutes later? Because that's probably what would have happened. <laughs> that's exactly what would have happened. Okay. That, I mean, he would have been the guy to win the world title and then, oh, he, here comes Mr. Money in the Bank. And, okay, and that is, I mean, that is, if that is exactly what would have happened or he would have lost it on TV a week later or something. I mean, and, and not getting that, does, I mean, to invalidate everything else he did because he didn't get that. To me, it's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous. And, and you know what? Look, he's doing, and he's doing well for himself now. Right. I mean, because look at it, when he was in Ring of Honor before, he was just a tag. He was the ring. Of, he was a tag team champion in Ring of Honor when he was there before. Now he's the Ring of Honor World Champion. He's a two-time champion, isn't he? Uh, is he? Um, I thought he lost it and then won it back real quick. Oh, uh, maybe so. Yeah, he did because he did. He lost it to Chris Jericho. Yes, he, he did. did. He lost it to yeah. Jericho and then he won it back real quick. It was so, like a hot potato with with the uh, championship. Yeah. So. He actually, by way of his WWE career, he was actually able to go back and win the world title that they previously would not book him to win. Right. Think, look at it like that. Yeah. He like, is where he is now because of where he was before. Yes. So, and now, you know, he, I'm, he's making, he's making pro- maybe close to the same money because we know how Tony likes to overpay people. Yeah. <laughs> Tony he, to he's going to pay Cesaro to stay on board. Yeah. If Cesaro were a free agent when Triple H took over, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Yeah. He, oh, he would, he would absolutely back. have hired Cesaro right back. Oh, yeah. And, um, so, but he's, he's, you know, he's making good money now. Um, you know, maybe he's, probably working a lighter schedule he's definitely working a lighter schedule oh he, yeah he used to be on the road all the time um he's one of those guys that did all the house shows um so he's working a lighter schedule now he's making the same amount of money or close to it he has a world title now that previously that they would not have booked him to win before yeah he's doing pretty well for himself yeah and, and he's, but he's not aew's top guy either though no but and he's not, and he, and he probably won't be. But he doesn't have to be. No, he, he doesn't. But it's not the. I mean, it's not the end of the world, right? I mean, this is this has played out very well for him. It has. And, and when his contract is up, you know, if he wants to come back, they'll take him back. Oh yeah, Triple H uh, take him back in a minute. And if he doesn't want to, that's fine too. And yeah, I mean, either way. But again, like the same thing with Breeze and with Dolph, he's in a place now where. Guess what? You know, he can he can call his shot now. And that's because of the career he had in WWE. He can call his career shot now. If again, if he's free and they they call him to come back and he wants to come back, he can do that. If he doesn't want to come back, he doesn't have to. Yep. And if he does come back, he can probably negotiate a better schedule for himself. Yes, absolutely. And that's ultimately, you know, for all you younger people out there, ultimately. Yeah, I mean, you want to make good money in your career, and you want to have as much control over your career as you can possibly get. That those things are more important than what position you actually hold where you are. Right. Okay. Right. Um, if you know, you know, yes, you want to make good money. Yes, you want as much control over your career, and and that's schedule and assignments or whatever. Um, and he's gotten that, so. 
understanding it's just you know it's it's understanding where you fit in um and also this is a career right this this is not your family this is not you know these are not your kids these are not your parents mm-hmm. these are these are not your i mean you can have friends at work but these are not the same as your dearest closest friends usually at the end of the day even if you you may enjoy what you're doing but it's still a job yep it should not be your life. Your, your son should not rise or fall, you know, with the job. And that doesn't mean you can't be disappointed. That doesn't mean you can't get frustrated. Yes, you can. We're all human. Everybody gets disappointed at work. Everybody gets frustrated at work sometimes. But the lesson to learn here is to, you know, ultimately realize where work fits in in your life, where you fit in at work get the two things to kind of reconcile and then make the most out of it. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's really it. And I think that's, I just thought that was an interesting article and a, you know, a snippet of an interview with Tyler Breeze that you shared. And, and it's good to see some people out there with a level head about the business because there's a lot of fans and unfortunately a lot of workers who are disillusioned about the business. So it's it's good to see that there's still people out there that get it, that understand it, and are okay with it. Yeah, because ultimately, um, look, there's there's one world champion. <laughs> in, yeah, in, in every company. Right. I mean, and even in WWE, where you have where you technically have two world titles, you know, there's one Roman Reigns. Yep, that's it. Everyone else is not him. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, you everyone may want to, you know be that when they first start out or whatever but you know there's one and if you're not him then you got to figure out you know you know you got to figure it out man figure (laughs) out your lane and and enjoy it man yeah so before we get into the next segment i want to invite you to go over to the prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot from there you can take a look at all the t-shirts available from your favorite chair shot radio network podcasts including this very podcast that you're listening to right now. The Mindless Wrestling Podcast does have a T-shirt up there. Uh, cool design that, uh, you know, a friend of mine, uh, Liam, over in Ireland helped me design. And then, you know, Rob and Jason, you know, gave me their input. We threw a couple things out there. We decided on this one. We think it's really cool. We like it. We would love it if you picked a couple up for yourselves. <laughs> Help a couple of starving artists here. That is ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shots. All right, let's get into two-night pay-per-views or premium live events. God, I've got to get used to saying that. <laughs> oh, my God, after 30 years of pay-per-views, I just cannot get on the premium. Premium live event just does not flow off the tongue as well as pay-per-view. What's, really, you know, what's <laughs> going to be funny is when all the other companies start saying premium live event. and then Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. coming. It's, it's yeah. almost like somebody posted so like you know, we won't get too deep in the woods on this, but you know, Twitter is undergoing a big rebranding right now. Elon Musk had another grand idea to rename Twitter after almost 20 years of being in existence. Now I guess we're calling it X. I am never calling it X. It no. will always be Twitter. Right. Just like like in the, when it coming to America, mama named Clay, I'm calling Clay. That's right. It's always going to be clay and it's always probably going to be pay-per-view at some point in time or another for me. I will try to, I will try to stick the landing on premium live events going forward, but I offer no guarantees on that. But WrestleMania has now been two nights for about the last, I think Rob determined it was the last four years of rough two night WrestleManias. 
personally, I love it. Um, I, I, I love it, and I'm going to get a little bit more nuanced into that discussion in a minute. But the idea is being kicked around, at least from what we've read online, is that WWE is toying with the idea of at least making the the big four, Survivor Series, SummerSlam, obviously WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble, potentially being two night premium live events. And I, I want to start, you know, I'm going to let Rob go first and kind of give your thoughts on this, and then we're going to dig a little deeper into this. Okay. So, so our uh, captain here, uh, Greg DeMarco, kind of broached this topic because SummerSlam, well, they got eight matches officially announced. Um, we got, we're about, what, a week and a half away? Yeah. And they haven't, they've had, they haven't had more than eight matches on a pay-per-view since crown jewel in 2021 that was october 2021 um ever since then it has been eight matches or less for everyone so we're at the limit of eight and there's some and there's still some you know notable names that do not have a match on this show yet um sammy Zayn does not Rhea ripley does not uh kevin owens is injured now uh but let me see and um L.A. Knight has, you know, who is the big thing lately, has no match now. You know, Rey Mysterio is not has nothing on this card. Uh, you know, the uh, Street Profits have nothing on this card. Bailey and Io have nothing announced on this card, right? So there, there are a lot of, you know, names who right now do not have a match. So now we'll find out in the next week and a half if they do yeah. make some more matches. But ba- Bailey and EO may not have a match, but I can guarantee you they will be involved. Yes. Th- yeah. They'll be, they'll be lurking. Um, and um, so, you know, I mean, the question is, you know, if they're going to add more matches, then we're going to be, this is, this could potentially be another one of the old 10 to 12 match shows, which begs, you know, and so Greg was thinking, suggesting, well, if it, you know, since it may head in that direction, you know, is this kind of the precursor to SummerSlam going to two nights? Because, you know, the, the 12 match pay per views were always a slog. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. The last WrestleMania that they did that on, I, I love WWE <laughs> with all my heart. Those last two, what was it, 32 and 3? 32 was a marathon. 32 was, my God. <laughs> 35 was, took for, 35 was like seven hours. Yeah, that one I think ended at like oh. what, one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and then, by the time they wrapped it up, it was like twelve forty something. I'm like, I gotta work tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if if we end up doing that for SummerSlam this year, it'll be the first time in almost uh, two almost two years. It's gonna be it's gonna be a struggle to get through. So Greg was thinking, well, was that is this possibly a precursor to? SummerSlam becoming two nights and some of the other, you know, the other big four shows being two nights. Um, and the other ones would be, was it Royal Rumble and Survivor, Survivor Series? Yeah. And so, okay. Now I think the structure is there to make SummerSlam two nights. I would rather they not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would rather, um, and, but I can, now, just right out of the gate, I, I don't see how you could make a two-night Royal Rumble because they, they have a hard time filling out a card. Like a, They have a hard time having a, a full match card for that as it is. 
Yeah. Um, because well, because you mean you got you got thirty people in each rumble match, and that sucks up all the talent. And so, you've got two matches, so there's sixty people that are already yeah, you know, inactive from the rest of the night. Right, and then because this year they had five matches, I think the year before they had five or six, and they normally have. I mean, it's not com- uncommon for them to only have five or six matches at the Royal Rumble. So, um, because Greg thought, well, do one Rumble on each night. And then, you know, you could do a, you know, a world title match on each night and do a women's title match on each night, but they couldn't find, they couldn't look, they couldn't have, they haven't had two women's title matches the last two years. Cause they, they yeah. couldn't, I mean, they just didn't have enough people. Um, I think they do now though. I mean, and you know, we've seen over the last couple of rumbles, they've had some NXT call-ups kind of fill in some some gaps in the men's and women's rumble. So if you've got main roster talent that you want to save for singles matches, you can always plug and play some NXT people into those Royal Rumble matches. There's plenty of talent down in at the performance center. True. So I I see a scenario where you could do a, a two night Royal Rumble. There's plenty of, they've got what 200 people on the roster now active. Something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you remove 60, you know, it's you've got. I see a scenario where you could do it. Now, and, a- ask me if I want them to. <laughs> yeah. Here's my thought on that. What has always made WrestleMania special? It's always been presented as their, for lack of a better term, their Super Bowl. It's the big dance. It's the main event of the whole thing. WrestleMania has always been special because it's bigger, it's more, it's everything. Like, they they blow the wad at WrestleMania, and then they made it two nights, which I love now. Uh, the first year, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this, but the, by the second year, I was fully on board with the two-night WrestleMania. When you start making the other nights, the other shows two nights, I kind of feel like you're taking away from the special that is WrestleMania. Does that make sense? Yes. And I, I agree. And I think, well, the other, and the other thing for me is it's um, the, the more like the, the, the more and more they keep spreading things out, it gets, it gets harder and harder to keep up with everything. Right. And because look, I mean, there are people. I mean, I've talked to people who who kind of checked out because they just said there's too much to keep up with. You know, because you got all these hours of live TV, and now you got all these you know these uh, events, and then you know if you want to watch anything else on television at any other time, you know, you, you have it's to, blocked out by rabbit. I mean, there's literally five, three, five, seven, just between Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. There's seven hours of viewing every right. week, and there's between NXT and the main roster, there's a premium live event at least once a month. Yes. And then, you know, God forbid you want to, if you want to watch anything from any other wrestling company, that's, then that's more time. And, you know, and, um, so I guess for me, if put it this way, if they do a two night rumble and have a rumble on each night, I'm watching one rumble. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm, pick, I'm, I'm, I'm picking a night and that's the, that's the, I'm rumble. either watching the men this year or I'm watching the women. Yeah, it, it's, it, you're right. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so I would prefer they don't. Um, yeah. and like you said, WrestleMania is special and you should, you should keep it that way. I think, um, yeah. and, uh, no, I guess, 
because and again that that goes back to the you know the old question of do we get do we get every do we try to get everybody on the show or do we you make beat it a, me to it yeah or, or do we make it a special thing to get on the show yeah because now if you start extending everything to two nights now you get into a situation where it feels like you're just everybody gets a turn yeah and while on one hand that's nice you want to see the talent get a paycheck and it does give some some talent who could use some exposure some definite exposure but you also take away from the perception of the competitive nature of this type of environment these people are supposed to be competing to get to the big show and if we're expanding the big show to open more slots where's the competition that and then also like this year at WrestleMania, they had the women's tag team showcase match. And that was, nobody thought that match was necessary. <laughs> and the crowd was pretty dead the whole match. They didn't care. And it's just, it's just that it, it was, you know, it, it was one match too many or whatever, right? It was it's just, a shame because it really wasn't a bad match either. No, but it, it's just, like the, the more you keep adding, the more like those old 12, 14 match WrestleMania shows, they were matches where, I mean, they were bathroom break matches. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you got a WrestleMania payday, but it still kind of sucks that when you're out there, you see people, you can visibly see people getting up and leaving, right? Yeah. Uh, um, and so I don't know. I mean, obviously, um, I'm sure they're talking about it. I mean, and they 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 absolutely want to try and make it work if it's at all feasible. Yeah. Um, because it's a you know because you can it, look it's two nights of gate, yeah. If there's nothing else, right? I mean, looking at it that way. But I hope that, this time they go ahead and finish, and then I've I've got I'm gonna piggyback off of that. The two I hope, night gate. I hope they I hope they kind of stop themselves from going through with it if they are really thinking about it. Yeah. I, as far as the two-night gate, when I think of myself as a fan, the only show that I would do both nights would be WrestleMania. I wouldn't go to two nights of Royal Rumble. I wouldn't go to two nights of Survivor Series, SummerSlam, or anything else. To me, again, going back to what I said a few minutes ago, WrestleMania is the experience. And I look at this not unlike, you know, Tina and I go to rock festivals. The last we went to Welcome to Rockville was a four-day festival. We went for the experience all four days. I would do that for WrestleMania. I wouldn't want to do that four or five times a year. Um, so I probably would not pay to go to see any of the other pay-per-view premium live events to each. I wouldn't pay to go see two days of that. I would for WrestleMania. Uh, same here. Cause that's, I mean, yeah, that just becomes just a bigger and bigger undertaking. And again, cause for WrestleMania, absolutely. Um, so I, I hope, I hope they, if they are thinking about it, I hope they don't go through with it. Um, yeah. cause I think like, there's such a, there's such a thing as too much of a good thing. All that being said though, I'd watch it on TV from the comfort of my couch with snacks and a drink. I'd watch it from home, but I'm not going to two days of anything other than WrestleMania. Yeah. And then also, I guess for me, if they start doing more and more of these two nights, then it's going to be a, I'm not canceling any plans to watch this situation. Yeah. 
Whereas, if it comes up on a night where anything else comes up, something's, you know, wrestling's losing out that night. Yeah, if they if they make this a more frequent thing, like for like re- look WrestleMania weekend, yeah, I'll, I'll say, hey man, <laughs> not this weekend. I'll see you next week. But you know, if it could, again, if that becomes a more frequent thing, then it then it becomes okay. You know, um, no, I'm not gonna pass up going out with my friends or whatever to watch night two of you know Survivor Series. <laughs> right. Um, you know. Yeah, that reminds me, I got to put in for the Monday after WrestleMania off. I, I promised myself three years ago that I was going to start taking the Monday after Mania off, and I have yet to do it. I'm in a situation now where I think I can get away with it. Oh, cool. So, so yeah, I, that's, well, it'd be interesting to see. Like I said, this is, I think, a lot of speculation. I think it ended up out in the interwebs, which is what happens. Our boss, Greg DeMarco, grabbed a hold of it, brought it into the to the group chat. Pose the question. We're answering the question here on this show. Um, I, I I get it as a business model. Two nights, more people, more money. Makes perfect sense. It's not something that I would personally go to. I'd watch it from home, but I wouldn't go to it. Same here, so. yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the last little piece of business here. I believe today at the time of this recording is one uh, Triple H's birthday. Happy birthday, Triple H. We want to talk the first year of WWE creative under Triple H. And we are a year and a couple days past Vince McMahon officially announcing on Twitter that at 77 years old, it was time for him to step down and retire we know that didn't last. We didn't think it was going to last. Um, th- those of us who have been watching this shit long enough knew for a fact he was coming back at some point. We don't need to get into the woods on all the particulars on that. We just need to get into how has WWE been progressing creatively in the last 12 months? And there, there's an argument to be made that Certain things were better under Vince, but there are also quite a few things that are better under Triple H. Um, I think the the premium live events, as we've talked about, have been more streamlined. Um, I think the pacing has been a hell of a lot better. Sometimes under Vince, he tend to drag things out a little bit. So even a three-hour pay-per-view would... I give up on the premium live event. Forget it. (laughs) (laughs) I give up on it, man. (laughs) Obviously, I can't do this. (laughs) A three-hour show would feel like a four-hour show sometimes under Vince. And sometimes Triple H will do a a two-and-a-half to three-hour show, and you're like, what, it's over already? Yeah. So uh, there's that. Um, I I think we've seen some positive changes. Obviously, Triple H brought back a whole swath of talent that Vince had let go, carrying Cross. Um, We got Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae back on TV. We got... Uh, guys, head just name just fell right out of my head. Um, I keep wanting to call him Jonas because he's been Jonas for the last. Oh, uh, Bronson Reed. Yeah. Bronson Reed, and then God, my brain is just uh, not working tonight. Ron, um, Braun Strowman. Uh, Braun Strowman wait. came back. Uh, the guy that uh, runs with Gargano that was with Indy Hartwell. Um, oh, uh, Loomis, definitely. Dexter, Dexter Loomis. God, my brain is mush this week, man. Dexter Loomis, we got back. Karrion Cross, which I think I already mentioned. Um, just all these all these people came back and, you know, we got uh, EO Sky, who, if you listen to Dave Meltzer, had one foot in Japan and one foot on an airplane. 
right. you know, at one point. Uh, Dakota Kai had been let go. Um, Chelsea Green had been let yes. go. I mean, we've got just this this whole just re-infusion of talent. And, and a lot of these people we've talked about on this very show as being surprising that they let him go. Like, we all thought that Bronson Reed was a shoe-in. Like, yes. I thought Vince was going to look at this guy and just salivate. And then he was gone. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> you was, know? that was a total shocker to me. Total shock. Triple H has taken a chance on some of these guys. And some of it's paying off. There may be longer-term payoff. You haven't seen Dexter Loomis a whole lot on TV. They initially brought him back in. They had the push with The Miz. And then it just kind of was barely treading water. And I think they're putting some pieces together with Gargano. Of you know, Because Tommaso Ciampa's back healthy and back on TV. He's in a program now with The Miz. And it, it looks like roads are leading towards a, a, a DIY, or DIY reunion. And I would imagine they're going to mix Dexter Loomis in there somewhere. But Braun Strowman went right back to work. Um, it's it just it's it's been neat to see him stand by his own principles and believe in this talent enough to bring them back and give them another shot. Yeah, and now now one thing that's been kind of lost in the whole internet conversation is that he said point blank that he brought well he that some of the lots some of these folks he brought back were for roster depth and now obviously, you know, things can happen. Somebody can break through or whatever, but some of these folks were, uh, were brought back to fill out the roster and to, yes, you know, and to put people over basically and, or to fill the spot in a multi person or multi team match or, you know, yeah. Um, and so you got to kind of, you know, you got to keep that in mind. Um, but look, over. I think in total, I think bringing those people back, I think, is has been a good move. Um, yeah, you know, you know what? Whether even if there's one that might have been a head scratcher, you know, or but you know, but still, I think as a whole, bringing those people back has been a good move. Yep. Uh, real quick, we are going to have a run in here in a minute. Uh oh, what we got? Yeah, we've got a run in. If I can get him added in here and not lose my connection, which I am prone to doing, we should have, hopefully, in a moment. Is that who I think it is? Is it is it gonna happen? We 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 we've we've got a run in. Where are we at here? Hold the hold the phone. What the heck? I think I. Oh, I see his on. name. I added him. Hang on, let me let him know I added him. Okay. Yes, I see the name there. I won't. I won't spoil it for anybody. But uh. All right. I sent him a message. Hopefully, he sees it. We'll get him up in here in a minute. Go ahead and finish your thought, Rob. Uh, um. So yeah, I think as far as things I would give him a good grade for, I would say bringing these people back is definitely one of them. Yes. Where is he at? Hold, please. If I can type. (laughs) Right back to Rob. 
All right. Yeah, I definitely think uh, that he gets kudos for that. Um, I think we, we've definitely seen an influx in some fresher talent. Um, I think he's done an incredible job of continuing the bloodline storyline. Yes. Um, that's been just a, an amazing – because we were worried about that. There he is. All right. There he is, ladies and gentlemen, the – Chairshot Radio Network's own DWI podcast host, Mr. PC Tunney. Welcome to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, sir. Yeah, I'm such a slut. You are. <laughs> I, I, I think you and I are like trying, like running mates, to see who's the biggest, uh, biggest podcast slut in the Chairshot Radio Network. Oh, Give me boy. one margarita. I'm gonna open my legs. Give me two margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> PC Tony will bust it open for, for any podcast <laughs> host out there. Okay. Uh, uh, that's not true, but it's close. <laughs> so you guys wrapped up your show. How'd that go? Good time. Good time had. Um, quick show, but a good time. Some yeah, I think ours is probably gonna wrap a little bit early here. Um, you know, we'll we'll let you jump in in just a moment. Right now, we're talking one year of Triple H booking. I know uh, one Greg Demarco loves these state of the WWE addresses here. Um, but you know, we were you know we're still another week and a half away from from uh, SummerSlam, so we're kind of trying to find some topics here. But yeah, Rob and I are just kicking it around. We just kind of talked about the the talent that Triple H brought back in the first year that, you know, that he's been in head of creative and we were kind of transitioning there into how he's almost seamlessly taken the bloodline and, and continued it from what Vince McMahon started. Yeah. And with that, um, I mean, cause all, like, um, we're, we're led to believe that basically Heyman and Roman and Jimmy and Jay are doing, coming up with most of the creative stuff for that. Um, it would be very easy for Triple H to want to take that over and, you know, say, okay, we're going to do this the way I want to do it now. Um, so you got to give him credit for whatever, whatever the balance is, right? Whether he's just nodding his head saying, okay, guys, you got it. Or whether he's, you know, actually making some changes to what they want to do or what, um, you have to give him credit for, for, basically finding the right balance to that because obviously look, if, if he tries to do, if, if he sticks his hands in it too much, they're all going to look at him like, really dude. Yeah. Um, and, but at the same time, as good as it's been, you, I mean, you don't just, Hey, you don't like, you don't just say, okay guys, whatever y'all want to do. Okay. You don't do that either. Right? Yeah. You I still got to have a hand on the wheel. Yeah. So, so you're managing that and you know, Again, finding the right balance with that, I think that's another thing I give him a good grade for. All right, Tony, what are your thoughts so far on the first year of Triple H being head of creative? I, I mean, it's funny to ask that question because of all the oh, Vince does this and Vince does that, right? So let's just take that all out of there and let's just we're, go back we're playing we're playing along. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> like I think SummerSlam last year was Vince's last. Yes. Hurrah, right. It okay. was. So, I, I'm, i I've loved everything that's going on, but you know what? I'm not the right guy to ask because I was okay with everything going on before then. Well, uh, so were we. To yeah, be we're, fair. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're, right, we're not. Right. We're not. We're not. I'm just prefacing. I'm just prefacing what I'm about to say because okay. I think he's doing a great job. And why wouldn't he? He's got Sean right there, you know, running the minor league system too. So that helps knowing that he can kind of go in certain ways and have faith that he's going to have people coming in and out and things of that nature. I would say Paul Heyman has had his hand on the major players in WWE for a good 10 years now. And I think Vince is kind of anything Paul's involved with. Vince has been able to let him uh, kind of not dictate, but kind of lend his experience to. And and we'll put that in quotes. And I think Hunter's smart enough to do the same thing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like Paul, Paul is one of the, the most brilliant people of all time. Like when you get said that you're on the same level as Bobby Heenan. And then on top of that, you started and ran one of the most successful promotions in, in American history. I, I don't know what else to tell you. So yeah, as, as smart as, you know, the Samoan bloodline in real life is of kind of making sure things are going right. And don't think that the actual elders in real life aren't in the ears of these young Samoans who are crushing it right now. Um, so oh, take, all I've said on this podcast, podcast many times that NOI family has been secretly running the wrestling business for decades. I mean, and why not? You know, um, it, it's just, I think we're just all blessed as wrestling fans, whether you want to admit it or not, that not only are we in the golden age of wrestling across a bunch of promotions, right? As much as I give shit to TNA and AEW, um, this is maybe the greatest storyline of all time. Yeah, yeah, it is. What do you think about the the returning talent? All the people that were released under WWE, the Triple H brought back. The people like the Bronson Reeds and the Dexter Loomis and Braun Strowman and Dakota Kai, EO Sky, people like that. Do you think he's hit with that or are we batting 50-50 here? I think it's closer to 50-50 considering where we're at. But at the same yeah. time, you talk about what we just talked about and what I just said you have a certain storyline dominating everything and everything kind of falls to the wayside. And it's a really bad way to put it, but at the same time, that's kind of what happens. Um, usually there's some bigger storylines outside of the main one, but like the main one is just like, it's like a big Oak and it's taking up all the sun. You're in the shade. Unfortunately, you know, um, I think he's done a good job though. Why not? Why wouldn't you bring your people in? Anybody would, um, you, you mentioned one person that I look for big things from, and I really hope it happens because I think he could be a, like a great heel champion, a great transition guy is Bronson Reed. Yeah, Bronson Reed. That's something Rob and I were talking about just about a minute or so before you messaged me. When they initially released him a couple of years ago, we were in shock because on this podcast, we said the guy is done cooking. Like he had oh, his, yeah. uh, his main roster tryout in a dark match, I think on SmackDown. And we talked about it the following week on this podcast. And uh, Jason's exact words were, Bronson Reed is done cooking. Let's put him to work. And then a week later, he was on a list of people let go. Yeah, that was a, that, that was a what the fuck are you doing moment here. <laughs> right. <laughs> that really was. I mean, and because, you know, we, we normally, we don't play into the, you know, Vince's senile stuff here. But that one even had us like, Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> like, wh- like, what are you doing, old man? Um. So yeah, I'm. Yeah, we're all we're all hoping for big things for him because we we definitely think it can happen. And I like the slow burn route that they're going with him. You know, involving him with the Miz, getting him involved with the Tommaso Ciampa angle with the Miz, and there's 
like Tony, you said that you know the obviously the the oak that is the bloodline story is overshadowing everything, but we can't we can't ignore the fact that there's some really good undercard stuff going on. Like if um the bloodline is the oak, obviously the next trio on the pecking order is the judgment day. And then, you know, the, there's just some really compelling stuff going on between SmackDown, between Raw, and then sending the talent back and forth from Raw to NXT has been, to me, been huge for the NXT brand, and it's made for some fun, compelling television. The nature the nature analogy is so apropos because there's others waiting, lying in the weeds as well. Yes. Uh, the, the, the OC. I can totally see after Roman beats Jay and Jay has to come back into the bloodline, the OC having a feud with the bloodline, right? Like we're putting Absolutely. that up. It, it's crazy how they position themselves. And I think that we just don't give them enough credit as a whole, as, as, as consumers of the product um, in a certain way. It, it, it they're the best for a reason. Just kind of believe, just relax a little bit. You don't need to know everything all the time. Yeah. It's, I, I got into it a little bit with a guy. And finally, the guy blocked me, which I'm glad for, because I don't like to get dragged into those discussions. <laughs> but, you know, some, some guy, what? You're back into fucking caring too much on Twitter, aren't you? Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> I, I, you know what it is? We've had a doctor on vacation for like every week this month's work's been a little slow. So I found myself a little extra time on my hands. So I'm either chatting with the pals or I'm on Twitter like a dumbass. And some guy posted something. Of course, it's it's like a drug. And I had to comment. And he was complaining about Dom being down in NXT, being the North American champion. And, you know, did why did we sit here and watch two weeks of the brand split and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, does it really fucking matter? Like at the end of the day, does it really matter? Is is this? And I know Rob is the brand split police of the Miles Wrestling Podcast. Rob, would you agree? Like this has been the cleanest split for a. It's in a long time. There's no yes, and and the unassociated okay. bullshit. You got the tag titles that are way they are, but at the same time, people aren't showing up where they're not supposed to be. No, yes, and and okay, and look, I don't mind the. I've never minded the NXT cross branding stuff. I. My thing is just as long as they have a, some type of plan, some type of strategy, um, you know, behind it and not just we're going, we'll just send them down there for a couple of weeks, you know. Um, I guess, look, look, I, I, I look, I picked up my brand split police badge when they created the world championship because <laughs> some of y'all were like, well, well, maybe AJ will win it. And I was like, hell no. He just got dragged to the SmackDown. The hell with that. Yeah. Okay. No, they need to run back AJ Styles and Roman Reigns yeah. one more time so, before that, AJ what, finally hangs it up. That's what got me to that, that's what got me to go to the, the Brands Police Academy <laughs> and, and okay and get and get my badge. Okay, <laughs> that's what that's what did it. All right, because I'm sorry, we were, that just was been unacceptable. And, right. and I don't think that NXT should count as a a brand split um, violation. Like, NXT's developmental. I feel like if you're on Raw or you're on SmackDown and you want to go down and play in the minor leagues or you want to go down to the training center to go pick on the kids, I, that's hazing. You know, Do you, I, I don't... I, huh? Do you mind? Go ahead. 
<laughs> yes, ring the bell. Thank you. <laughs> Thank there's you. Roster, and there's a sub-main roster. They tried to make them all the same. They're not. It's clearly the minors. Exactly. So we're yeah. going down to haze the kids a little bit. It's okay, guys. And, and right now, Dom Dom is running the gauntlet okay. on your favorite NXT stars. And see, Suck now, it up now, and deal with it. Now, which means now, see, now I got to get on the soapbox here. <laughs> here we go. No, no, here, here's why. Here's why. Okay. One, back, look, back in 2012, you know, when Cesaro was the U.S. champion, he came down to NXT and was feuding with people on NXT while he was the U.S. champion. Okay. So that's not new. But what I'm going to get on the soapbox about is back in 2020, some of you people couldn't stop complaining. Oh, here he goes. Okay. You here he stop, goes. You couldn't stop complaining because of a certain person that they sent down there for a few weeks. You know, because, you, you know, oh, well, she's going to bury everybody. I think the, the, the main roster talent going down to NXT has been fun. Like and, and for the ones that are going down there just for like a little stint as like almost if you want to call it stunt casting or whatever, yeah. you know, to try and pop a rating, call it what you want. Some people have gone down there and reinvented themselves. Obviously, Mandy Rose is probably the, yeah. you know, prime example of that. But right now, Baron Corbin's killing it. You know, Baron Corbin, not that I ever had a problem with King Corbin or broke ass Corbin. Happy Corbin is debatable. Um, I think Happy Corbin, he did the best he could with it. I think the gimmick was a swing and a miss. Um, but for him to go back down there, refocus himself, it has been amazing to watch. Yeah. Oh, and, and, uh, I, I, congratulations to Dana Brooke getting, getting the win. <laughs> yeah. this week. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I enjoyed the, the, the timeline meltdown over that. Oh, I, yeah. I, that was beautiful. I, I enjoyed that very much. Tony, you were going to say? So there are a handful of people that have gone down because they needed something. Right. I yeah. right. Aaron Corbin, et cetera. Right. And that's fine. And that's great. It, it works. And when it works, it's really good. Now there's a handful of people who have gone down because, and let me quote John Cena to Roman Reigns. If you were getting your job done, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, that uh, unfortunately for Roman Reigns, John toasted him that night. Oh yeah, that was absolutely grilled him up and served him served him with fries. Ooh, yeah. A lot of major names that you mentioned that have gone back to NXT, it's when times were tough. Yeah, needed someone to go down there, and it's not necessarily the talent's fault. It's just the nature of what NXT is, and yeah. NXT will never be ever greater than the time when it was basically pulling the best indie talent in the world into a show that existed in one place where everybody could do it all together and didn't really have to travel much. And you know what times I'm talking about. Yes. You specifically know. Yes. Yeah. So, it's, I, like I said, I have no problem with that. I, it's one of the aspects of the Triple H era that I've loved. Um, I do agree. I think I understand the spirit of what you're saying. Eventually, the, the talent down there has got to learn to stand on its own. Uh, but we have to keep in mind it is still developmental. And sometimes you can send these uh, more. Like Baron Corbin is absolutely the guy to send down there to work with some of these guys to report back to Triple H and say, yeah, this guy's ready. No, this one's not quite ready yet. And the only last thing I want to add is, like you mentioned right there, I'm not saying a majority of the time it isn't mutually beneficial. Almost always is. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I think the first year of Triple H booking, and I, and I say that with a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, um, because we're playing along. Um, but again, like Tony said early on, I never really had a problem, largely never really had a problem with Vince McMahon's booking. I understood. I understand what I'm watching. I always have. I have for since I was like 18 years old. So I did, I was like, okay, this is what it is. I know what I'm getting into. I'm fine with it. Was I happy with everything? No. And I haven't been happy with everything Triple H has done. There's an argument to be made that Vince booked the women better than Triple H has. Like Triple H has got a handful of handful with fingers left over of women that he really, really likes that have seen quite a bit more TV time than a whole bunch of women who are right now getting scraps. And some of that may be, again, because the tree, the tree takes up a lot of TV time. And, and you know, we've got to make time to tell that story. But at the same time, there's an argument to be made that, that the women have kind of kind of been shuttled, shuttled back a little bit in favor of some other things. I mean, Tony, are you seeing that or are you, are you in disagreement of that statement? I feel, I feel like you should play trees by rush right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. I, uh, that That's unfair because of the peak that the women kind of hit, right? Like we kind of, Caught fire before. What was it? Thirty-two was the main the the main event, right? Yeah. yeah. So we kind of caught fire before that, and then we ran through. And I mean, honestly, like Bianca recently, Rip Rhea Ripley right now. But other than those two, who's really come up and grabbed the torch and ran with it outside of the outside of you know sasha bailey becky and charlotte right uh well i get i guess that begs the question who's really been given enough to sink themselves sink sink their teeth into i mean uh, they're finally doing something with uh shotzi shotzi's been on the main roster for what almost two years now and yeah. she's just been kind of floating along they're finally doing something with her i, I they want to do something with raquel but i, I still think <laughs> raquel's trying to figure it out yeah, they, they feel like they're not sure, right? Does it that the, the gist you get? I, yeah, I, that's uh, yes. what I'm feeling right now is they're not real sure with Raquel yet. Like they, they want to, but they're they're holding back for reasons. Because it feels like like they should be full speed ahead on booking this match with her and Rhea. And where you know Monday is go home for Raw for SummerSlam. I don't think and you get it. We got eight matches already, right? Seven. Yeah. I mean, so if if they're going to do it, they obviously got to announce it on the go home show, which but then for somebody, if you're really high on somebody, you're not going to give them a one week. You're not going to you know, I mean, you wouldn't be announcing that match on the go home show. Right. It just seems because then, I mean, you have no time really to for them to mix it up that much. You know, yeah. you've got a few days. So, yeah, it is like they're not sure. Like, you know, they had her, like, last December. She, you know, she got a match with Ronda. They had a really good match on TV. Yeah, and, of course, Ronda beat her. Um, this year in the Rumble, she had, a, she had a decent little run in the Rumble. But, you know, why wasn't she the last one thrown out? You know, given what, the, you know, the physical tools and all the stuff, given all the tools she has, 
and how close they think she is or how, how much they want to do something with her and how much and how they had her go toe to toe with Rhonda. I think she was like, like the, maybe one of the last five or something. But you would think if, you know, if they thought she was ready, she would have been the last one thrown out. Yeah. Um, and they keep doing this thing. And again, they keep pumping the brakes. Like you said, they, you know, they, they, they push her a little bit, but then they kind of stop it. And it's kind of like, well, you know, you know, what is something missing? Like, what do y'all, like, what do y'all think is missing that that we're not seeing as fans? Yeah. It's, it's the optics being viewed. Obviously they're seeing something from the inside because when I look at her, I see a star. She's attractive. She's athletic. She's got a very distinct look. She's like, she passes the airport test. Yeah, she's big because and then you know because you, you don't have there are only a handful of like truly like you know big women wrestlers. If you have a, and so when you you have one that's talented and it can work, then and you said it has the right look and everything, then normally you you know full speed ahead. Yeah. Um, well, I think, no, well, I think one thing Tony said about them peaking, um, we have got another run in. Oh, who do we got? Is it, is it? Is that, is that, that, could it be, could it be Mr. Cash? Cash in the house. Good God, it's Kane. (laughs) (laughs) That's gotta be Ray Cash. Gotta be Ray Cash. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds like somebody was excited to see me. Yes. Yeah, man, it's now it's a party. I mean, we're yeah, you know, we're nearing the end of the episode, but it's a party now. And now my kind of podcast. You came just in time. <laughs> you came just in time for me to say something and for you to swear I'm wrong. Oh, just God. like you like to do. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I got to give him his introduction <laughs> because he is the yin to Rob Zhang and the pain in Rob's ass. Mr. Ray Cash. Greatest introduction. I'm sure I'm the chair shot. Greatest. <laughs> well, right, so the, the, the the new greatest, real quick, Rob, is that uh Tunny that that he's actually an albino. <laughs> oh god, I <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mr. Tunny is the I'll let I'll let Ray because I, I can't say those things. Ray, you go right ahead. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, brother. I got you. He came on. He did a run in just to introduce Tony. Yeah. Like, see you later. Race is trying to make me say something I shouldn't. Yeah. I, I probably did that last night. We did a podcast with uh, EJ from the Earnestly Speaking podcast, and I, I made a joke that I probably shouldn't have. It, it was very, very slight, very brief, but in the grand scheme, I'm like, probably shouldn't have said that. I kind of felt like Hagrid there for a minute. Well, I, I didn't. I didn't. I don't even remember what it was. So, well, then I won't repeat it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will repeat it because it was funny. Anyway, <laughs> that was we were watching uh, SummerSlam. I was speaking of SummerSlam. We were watching the main event of SummerSlam '88, the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks. And uh, when you know Liz took off the skirt, Hogan's at the end of the match, waving around the skirt, flings it, blah blah blah, flings it out in the crowd, and this kid catches it. And I'm like, you know what? To this day, that kid still has that skirt. But you wouldn't want to touch it, and I think that, I think that kind of flew there's, below. There's nothing really controversial about that. No, well, no, it's it's probably reality. <laughs> so. That's not that's not controversial. That's just you know. For those sophomore. of you who don't know what he's talking about, he means semen. Yeah, I knew, 
consumer. Ooh. You get away with problem. Once you start getting political, you know, racial uh, or, or or religion, then we got problems. Then, then then we're getting polarizing. I'm just talking about dirty teenage kid stuff. So yeah, well, I mean, he, he fucked Elizabeth's skirt is what he's saying, you guys. A lot of times. <laughs> I got hey, I got five minutes on those other three things you you want me to get on if you want. Tiny, you want me to get you a good five minutes? I haven't heard Ray Cash so much lately on the chair shot. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. No, so Rob Rob wants to set me off since I walked in. That's kind of his our love language. So <laughs> no, because well, we were talking about the booking of the women's division, and Tony mentioned about things having you know having hit a certain peak. And so I'm I'm just gonna come out and say it. Look, I don't think they had any. They don't. I don't think they had any concrete plans for the women's division after WrestleMania 35. Everything was centered around Ronda coming in and booking that 39. main event. 39, you mean? Th- no, 35. I'm saying 35. Oh, you're talking about back in New York? Yeah. Got you. Sorry. Um, look, the whole women's revolution was banking on, it was centered on them landing Ronda Rousey, doing the evolution pay-per-view, doing the women's main event in WrestleMania 35. That was, that was the women's revolution. That's what it was. Uh, because... Ronda was basically the trigger for them taking another chance on doing serious women's wrestling because they saw what she was doing in UFC as far as buy rates and all that stuff. Um, and I think that was the end game. And I don't think they had anything concrete planned beyond that. And they've been kind of playing it as they go since. And, you know, they, they were fortunate to have, you know, some of the talent that they did. And, it it was okay for you know, it went it went fine for a couple of years, but you know then well in the la- I mean the last couple of years I mean well then well Sasha and Naomi leaving was a big that kind of that that hurt a lot because you know look those two women you could just plug into anything right and so them not being there is a big hole. And since oh, I mean Becky Becky getting pregnant is pretty rough, right? Like they've yeah. had some 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 major Yes. And I just don't think and that happened when that's what I mean. They so by not having so I, I don't think they had anything really seriously planned beyond that WrestleMania main event. And then you know, then like a year after that, then you know, then you know, Becky got pregnant, she was out for a while. And Sasha and Naomi leave. Becky was injured for a while also. Bailey was injured for a while also. You know, Charlotte took the eight-month honeymoon, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and you know, and it, so they weren't. And then you know, Ronda coming back didn't quite go over as well as they thought it would. Um, and I just don't think I don't think they had any really long-term plans beyond WrestleMania 35. So now I think again it was papered over for a few years, for a couple of years after that maybe. But now we're kind of into the stage where they don't have, they still don't have any long-term plans for the division, but now some people are gone. Some people have been injured, um, et cetera. And now I think it's all kind of running together here now. So you don't think they had any long-term plans going forward, going back five years, basically long-term plans. No. 
Okay, so Bianca Belair's rise of becoming the, the the face of the company or the face of the women's division was a long term plan. So you're wrong, number one. No, 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 I got you. I already got you. I already got you. No, 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 no. no, no. I, agree with I, I already got you. Because no, I already got you on that one. Tony, let him fight. Let him fight. This is. I love this. I already got no. you on that one. No, he's raised right. I already got you on that one. How? Because one of the former people who wrote there, who was who worked in creative there, even said that when she won that rumble, that at first Vince won, was going to have Charlotte win it, and that he was going in the creative people. The, yeah. the rumble ain't the only way to get to the main event. No, but I mean, okay, but obviously, and and look what happened, and the thing with Becky coming back, that was a Vince decision because to do, and it was the right decision because she yeah, got more over. Yes, it was, but. Still, yeah. I think I said long-term plans. We, look, so see, we, we, we just... a, a six long-term. They had a long-term plan with Rousey to go f- f- to get her in the fold and take things to that main event. That was a long-term plan. They okay, don't have no so, four. They don't have a four-year plan for Bianca. Please, you sure about that? So let's let's let's, let's yeah, I guarantee let's, you. Let's, let's, uh, yeah, I guarantee you. Let's go back. Four-year plan for her. WrestleMania 35. She was still in NXT. Yes. Right. Yes. WrestleMania 36 is when she made her debut on the main roster, helping the Street Profits at that Ricky Dink WrestleMania at the Performance Center. Okay. Okay. Oh, to basically to nobody. You know, to, she debuted to Michael Cole, uh, Corey Graves, and Stu the cameraman. You do yes. what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. When she was in NXT, she never won the the NXT Women's Championship. But she was always consistently at one of the top stars, being given a lot of things, but she never won it, right? From the moment she debuted, she slow burned all the way until she finally won the Rumble to go fight Sasha. So along, you want to say long-term storylines, one of the long-term storylines was the moment Mark Henry brought her to their door, they looked at her and said, she's going to be one of the faces of this division. They had to build her. That to get her to that point, because just because you look the part don't mean you can walk and act the part. Right. And for a long time, Bianca was amazingly talented, but but couldn't wrestle a fifteen minute match. She gave you a mean seven, couldn't give you fifteen to twenty. Consistently, right? Yes. So if one of your plans is to make Bianca Belair, who's a relative unknown, who people like, who three hundred people like in Winter Park, Florida, and make her big enough to go to the ESPYs and get a, a reality show on Hulu and all this, that's a long-term plan. They have achieved that. She Let went, me kick something around the horn here Three real quick. straight WrestleMania main events in a row. Three. Go ahead, I mean, Can I kick something around the room here where, where it pertains to Bianca? Because I've been in some discussions about her regarding her NXT. You, you can. It's your show. You can do it. Okay. Well, I, I, it's our show. We're collectively... But, <laughs> DJ, DJ, this is your show. Okay. Those those checks say uh, DJ the DJ the wrestling pack. I don't want to say your real name. I'm uh, yeah, I know. I uh, yeah, our boss is uh, writing out the checks to the gimmick name. I gotta you talk got to him about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I gotta have a talk with him. Um, yeah. No, okay, Bianca, her NXT career. I've been in some discussions where people think that Triple H dropped the ball on her by not giving her a run with the NXT Championship. I have maintained that that was a Vince McMahon call. I maintained that Vince looked at Triple H and said, no, I want her up here. I have plans for her. And here's why I disagree with that. Here's why I disagree with that. 
Go ahead. Because, okay, it's one thing to not put the title on her down there. That's fine. They booked her in three takeover title matches, and she got beat every time. Okay. Do you know? Do you know who else? They don't do that to anybody else there. Io Sky. It happened to Io Shirai. It happened to Io won the title eventually. She she didn't get three title matches to lose. Because she, she stayed there, she stayed there four years. She didn't lose three title but, matches, but, to never win. But let me up. ask you this, Rob: Who did more in their first year on the main roster? Okay, but no, but hear me out here. Hear me out here. Okay, they Bianca had three title matches on takeover shows and got mm-hmm. beat all three times. Do you know who had and never won? Do you know who that's happened with there on the women's side? Do you know who else that's happened with there on the women's side? Who? Nobody. Nobody. Okay. Nope. Nobody has gotten booked to lose three takeover title matches and then never win one. Okay. okay. And then not only that, the last one, she got beat clean as a whistle and then she got beat up after the match. Okay. That's, that's your friend's fault. That's right. your girl's fault. Ray, what, you, what are your wrong thoughts? Play, wrong place, wrong time. I mean, but still, I mean, yeah. but and, that, and, that was, but, no, you cannot, I mean, that, if that's a plan, that's a bad plan. Okay. Obviously not. It it, it the why plan you, worked. Why are you picking and choosing one part of the entire thing? Nobody said the plan was in NXT. The plan was for her to be a star on the main roster, not in NXT. Yeah, and in I'm, NXT, do you know how many people they had in NXT at the time that were stars? And my point is that that she was booked. She was not booked down there like somebody. She was booked down there like if she was somebody who was good to have to lose to your top person. That's how she okay, was booked so down there. Okay, so how many people on the main roster were down in NXT and weren't given men any run, but are stars on the main roster? How many people? Tons of them. Not really? Yes. Let's Rob. go to the main roster right now. I got Wikipedia up right now. Let's go to the main roster right now. Rob. Austin Theory Rob. was made to look like an idiot on the main roster in, in NXT. Austin Isn't Theory had a whole Evolve special made for him. Please, so you stop it. So we're talking one show, but you can't get that Bianca had a credit for the things she did? To showcase him. You're going to tell me, please, get out of here. Boy, I love how you pick and choose what's, what makes sense and what doesn't. You brought, him up. you brought him up. You brought up Austin Theory. I didn't bring up Austin You Theory. made, you picked one show of the three years he was down there. What else happened when he was down there, Rob? Well, they've had to bring him back because he got in trouble for communicating with, uh, you know. Uh, Sounds like an excuse to me because last I remember, he was bumped, he was booked like a bumbling idiot. Oh, and let's not also forget that that show you're talking about that was built to showcase him. If you remember that, they, the reason, only reason they, they put that show on was because that was going head-to-head against AEW's first pay-per-view. Yeah. Plus, wasn't Cameron Grimes and Shotzi Blackheart on that show, too? Yeah, okay, but, okay. Kept, um, um, Shashi Blackheart, Adam Cole came back. Yeah, a okay, lot of people. We're really going to act like they didn't have a title unification match and they didn't make a big presentation out of the title unification match that he won. We're really going to act like that didn't happen. Nobody's saying that. No, nobody's disagreeing with your point. What I'm saying is you can't pick that and say three years of having dip of this dude losing and losing and losing and losing and losing, but he had this one good night. But we're saying Bianca was built for the main roster for success because she lost three big matches, though. She she was booked horribly. Forgetting the rest of the time she was there when she dominated everybody? No. You, you do I need to pull up the one? Do I need to pull up the one loss record? I can no. You know I will. No, but I bet money. I bet money. In NXT, Bianca had a way better win-loss record than Austin Theory. All right, I'm... 
And that's the first person I went to. I could go. I, you want me to go deeper? Let's go deeper. Go well, ahead, DJ. Go ahead and vamp. Well, let's I, get I, let's I, get Tony's thoughts on this. We haven't gone around the horn yet. I've, no one gives a shit about their fucking records in NXT. Keep going. <laughs> okay. All right. I think I think we can move on from that. Uh, we, basically, uh, Ray, you, you jumped in when we were talking about the uh, the first year of Triple H booking. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're we're mm-hmm. playing along like Vince is still retired. What what do you what do you give what grade do you give Triple H so far for the first twelve months? I give him a B plus. B plus. Okay. He, there's 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 clearly some issues that he still needs some work. He was undercut a little bit if you believe things, and clearly there if you watch the pro- product, you can see a, a different emphasis for a month or so that was different than it was before. Yeah. Um, but um. There was a problem with the mass rehirings he did, and they didn't have a thing. They didn't have much to do. That's been a bit rectified now. We um, talked about that, yeah. Yeah, that initially that was a problem because he was just hiring people to hire him. Now, with the exception of Hit Row, who actually have gotten very comfortable in their dark match antagonist role, everybody else has really been utilized to a certain extent. So he's made good on that. Um, I think the shows flow better. I think. The match quality is just as good, if not maybe better. I do think there was a, maybe not completely his fault, but there was a a bit of a lull in the women's division. And injuries, Sasha ba- Sasha and, um, and, uh, and um, Naomi. And Naomi, there's reasons. But still, I don't think he had his best this this past year wasn't the best you could see him book the women. I, I think he there was a legitimate conversation that for criticism there. Excuse me. Um, and as much as we love it, and as much as I'm a card carrying member of Bloodline Bloodline U, you I think you 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 rely a little too much on it because while that is the thing that's make that's making the engine run, you can still. The sh- Raw was hurt irreputably because they had no top star and no top level. And we have to keep having repeated Austin Theory versus Bobby Lashley versus insert wrestler here, triple threat matches for the U.S. title. And Austin Theory has to cash in his money in the bank for the U.S. title because we don't have nobody else he can cash on, in on because we know he can't do it on Raw. Like, that is a plot device that you created. And we could, you know what I'm saying? You put yourself into that hole. You but didn't give can, him. You, you can't didn't give blame him. Triple H for that because the unification was under Vince. No, Triple like, H had to pick up the pieces. I agree. I don't fault him for the unification. I don't fault him for um, Austin Theory being the Money in the Bank champion. But what he, what I think he could have done better was either worked out a way to have Roman have a feud on Raw. Or work out a way to make the top people on Raw relevant a little bit. Like, think about it now. If we'd have had Gunther the way he is now, last year at that time, then you have somebody you can make it a show around. God bless Rollins. He'd been running, like, amazing his whole time. But that was one dude. And you got all these dudes who are main event level people, top level guys. Like, the, the, the biggest blessing for the... It was a 
a blessing and a curse for the WWE, but it was absolutely a blessing for Cody. Was that he got hurt? Yeah. Because can you imagine Cody having to try to deal with a full year of having to feud against upper mid-card guys? It just it wouldn't have been good for him. And I think a lot <laughs> of that could have been fixed differently with better booking or different booking. Yeah, but, I, but by I, and large, is he? Yeah, B plus. By and large, I, I maintained from day one that the unification. Now they've corrected, and I love the design of the new world championship. I love the fact that it's on Rollins, and I'm I'm off to the races with this. Yeah. I thought that the unification was a mistake from day one, and I knew we were going to get into that with Roman being largely SmackDown specific. Yeah. Now, so now, Ray, I'm going to say something, Ray. As it pertains to this particular thing, I agree with you. Wow. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, I can go home now. <clears throat> but, uh, go, we haven't well, called to go home yet. Well, well, I'll just say, as far as the unification, Roman should have came out there the Raw after WrestleMania and just left the other belt in the ring and said, I proved my point. Y'all here. Y'all can have it. I'm done. Yeah. But, and and, and um, have, a, uh, have a tournament for it. Because, look, the unification, the, the, t- the two belt, whatever, whatever, that's only good for the visual at the end of the show when the person is holding up the two belts. Yeah. That is all it is good for. Tony, what grade do you give uh, Triple H's first year? A. You give him an A. Okay. I respect it. Rob? God, that's because, like, everybody here approves. Like, uh, if you had to do thumbs up or thumbs down, you do thumbs up, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I, I think fucking gigantic percentage that would do that. So that's an A. That's that'd be, come on, seriously. Uh, I get, I give him a B or B plus. Um, no, I give him an A. Well, <laughs> my my issues are with the you know mainly with the booking of the women's division, um, and not even like wins or winners or losers of this or that, but just time uh, given. Time given and just just basically, it, I mean, they, they, you know, it's. It's like universe mode booking a lot of times with the stuff, you know, where it's like, oh, match this week. Somebody gets, you know, running next week. Tag team match this week. Oh, fourth week. Time for the pay-per-view. You know, I mean, it's and, you know, to me, that leaves something to be desired. Uh, and so that's you know, my my big knock on him is that. OK. I give him a solid B plus. I've loved it. I think the transition has been smooth. I think there were a little couple little bumps in the road in the first couple of months. Um, there's obviously been some things that you could point out and say, okay, that's definitely we'll say someone else's hand in the pot. But all in all, I think Triple H has had a solid first year. I think he's got a lot of creative a lot of creative juice going forward. And I I, I think he's really found his footing. I really, I really think he has. I, you know, I didn't expect, I expected more bumps in the road, to be honest with you. And we haven't gotten them. That is, I think, uh, Tony pointed out uh, things that, or maybe it was Ray. Uh, the pacing of the shows is better. I mentioned this to Rob earlier on before you guys even got there. Um, a a three-hour Triple H premium live event, f- like flies by. And there were times in the Vince era where a three-hour premium live event, I'm sitting there like, God, how is this not already four hours? Just to the pacing of the show. So I, I definitely think... As good chance a live event is in a stadium. Yeah. That's big. Yeah. I just want to say one thing. When is the first time we go, 
Sean and Hunter had that worked out from the beginning. Which one? As far as what? Yeah. No, I I I I pick up what you're putting down because knowing how long Sean fought going to the PC, and as soon as he moves to Orlando, Triple H has the heart attack or the heart issue, and of all the people that could be put in charge, Sean's put in charge. Now I'm not I'm not I'm not conspiracy theorist about his cardiac issue. No, that's real. What I'm saying is the fact that Sean's the one he put in charge. And then now you look at it now and the synergy you have with two best friends basically running the kingdom. Yeah. That was probably planned between the two of them. Oh, yeah. Triple H had his cabinet in place years before he ever took office. Yes. And that way, so you have a, you have a story here about Sean fighting, going to the PC? No, 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 no. Hang on. So where I was going was, and this is even better than the conversation we're having, which is really good, is how long until we see a storyline that we don't, see it right away but once it comes to fruition it was like okay sean and hunter were talking sean cultivated that and handed it over to hunter on the main roster you know what i'm saying uh, There's when, be uh, of that. you know what that is, is when carmelo hayes wins the wrestlemania main event and and, <laughs> and walks out as universal champion that's when that'll be it that'll well, be sean, it sean did pull up friday because yeah sean was at smackdown friday wasn't yeah, he because look yeah because yeah. because they they love that guy Oh, Melo, yeah. Oh, but yeah. I, I so like when, the way I, I like the context in which Sean pulled up on Friday because Dom, who shouldn't be on SmackDown, but they let on there, was was talking all that hot shit. And Pete Dunn, Butch, who again, legendary NXT dude, was like, "I want the title." And Sean was like, "Well, just so happens to be I'm here." Let's let's say you know, it was a, it was a cool way to kind of put the two and two together. I like that. Yeah. It's it's this this whole run has been interesting and it like God twenty five years ago if you'd have told me Shawn Michaels and Hunter Hearst Helmsley would be not only running the wrestling program that I have grown up loving but they would be putting out work that I love I probably would have laughed at you like I thought they were both great workers but to to fast forward almost twenty five years later and these two are you know in charge of pretty much the biggest wrestling company in the world and putting out good shit blows my mind. Imagine think about, think about it this way. Think about it this way. The amount of shit Vince put up with from them must have been good enough to know that they knew what the fuck was going on and why not give the reins to two people that know what the fuck's going on. I mean, think oh, about it. Think I'm about all this shit. Hunter like, been in creative meetings since '99. Sean, Sean, oh, yeah, he, he came in the door wanting to learn the whole yeah. business. He's admitted this. He said, "I wanted yeah. to learn from TV production yeah. all the way down the line." He came. He came in with a plan. His 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 retirement plan was this. Sean is a shock. Yeah, you yeah. saying something, Rob? I'm sorry. What were you saying, bro? Oh well, I was just do, I was imagine go, imagine going back in time and telling both of these both those two guys they'd be in this position right now. Well, one of them will believe it. The other Triple H would believe it. Yeah. And Sean will be surprised he's alive. True. Sean will be surprised. Yeah, I got to wonder how many times over the last 25 years Vince said the words, I want to fire that asshole. Uh, Why? Why? What A guy that's making you money that he gets? He got Sean. Him and Sean got each other. Like, did he let him get away with a lot of shit? Yeah, but he knew. He just knew. Vince knew that this was the guy. And you can argue all day long that he is possibly altogether the greatest of all time. You're a sports fan, Tony. 
you're you're um, you're a sports aficionado. You know just as much as any of the th- other three of us sitting here knows that in a team setting, addition by subtraction is a real thing. And there was a point in WWE where Sean being gone may have hurt in the interim, but may have, have helped. Those four years with Sean being gone actually helped the company way massively than than more than if he would have been there. And I and Sean is my favorite of all time. Yeah. I would also argue that that back injury, while I never advocate for anyone being injured, that back injury was the best thing to ever happen to Shawn Michaels save his life. personally. Save his, save yeah. his life. I, I agree with you, Ray. I disagree with you because when it came down to it, Vince wanted to keep Shawn and not Brett. That's why Brett went to WCW. Well, that's because Brett's a dumbass. Well, I... Oh, really? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's a hot take. In, in 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 that in that situation in that scenario, even Brett has come to the to the realization that yeah, I was probably stupid for that. Yeah, dumb, you were a dumbass for that. I'll, I'm gonna leave, go into your biggest competitor, but I'm gonna keep the championship and pick how I go out, and I'm not gonna get pinned for my title. I'm gonna show up without being under contract and hand over. The, no, you weren't. No, hey, Bishop was gonna give you five million dollars to come to Atlanta with the title. What you talking about? So you can pull bro. a Medusa with it. Yeah. Come on, bro. What you talking true. about? No, and he knows that. Yeah, that's true. Now, what I was gonna say is, um, Shawn Michaels is Robert Downey Jr. Basically. Yes. Yeah. One hundred percent. Good, good, good call there, buddy. Ever given, brother. That is on Thank you, sir. Point. Thank. Because for those for y'all younger, ring people, the bell. Yeah. For for Ding. y'all. For y'all younger people listening to this, Robert Downey Jr. was not he was not in the celebrity drunk tank. Robert Downey Jr. was in the real ass prison. Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. He was and I didn't mean it like that, Tony, okay? I didn't mean it like that. He was that, in the right? ass. He was in the ass prison, wasn't he? I, no, I didn't mean it like that, okay? Spanky <laughs> Johnson was his next door neighbor. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Y'all, y- y'all going to stick another cornet badge on me now? <laughs> Here we go. I can. Here we go. Oh, <laughs> my God. You one point, because a lot, a, lot a lot of the new Iron Man fans don't realize, you know, Robert Downey Jr. was on SNL, right? Like, he was a superstar that all of a sudden, like you said, went to the real ass prison. As, as, as. Cole, Mr. Saturday Night's Ray, can we agree the worst season of Saturday Night Live ever was Robbie Dutch? Yeah. They'll tell you that. Everybody on that season will tell you it was the worst season ever. Yeah. And um, he's, um, yeah, but for those of y'all who don't really, yeah, um, Robert Downey Jr. was in just as bad a place as Shawn Michaels was. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, is this guy going to live through this territory? Is literally where he was. And that's where Shawn was at that point in his career before the injury. In fact, here's, you, Rob likes numbers. He's he's the, what what's his nickname? The minister of what? He is the minister of truth, the father of facts and figures, and the deacon of data. That y'all think Rob Downey Jr. is such a big star, right? Robert Downey Jr. got paid one hundred fifty thousand dollars for Iron Man one. Yep. Yeah. Terrence Howard got paid three million because he was the star, because yeah. he was bankable, yeah. and Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr. wasn't. And he because he wasn't insurable, they couldn't even. He, yeah, they they couldn't insure him. I mean, that was the big thing. But he had, but he was smart to put in his contract. If this shit hit and I yeah. stay clean, you got to pay me. Oh yeah, and they and they did, and then he he jettisoned Terrence Howard out the back door in the second one. 
Hey man, Terrence Howard and Ja Rule just steady miss, just just steady losing them checks, bro. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, gentlemen, I think we've had a great discussion here. Anybody got any uh, parting thoughts? Let's go backwards around the horn here. PC Tunney, you got anything to close this out with? Uh, no, not really. You want to throw your uh, throw your handles up there? Get your go ahead and go ahead and promote your shit. All right, you caught me there. Um, <laughs> I'm back. Uh, yeah, you can follow me for the first time ever, not only on Facebook, not only on Twitter, but on Instagram and Threads. And make sure you're checking out everything Chairshot Radio Network, all of your favorite streaming platforms, thechairshot.com. Always use your head and head on over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. I did it. I didn't think I was going to make it through that one. <laughs> and as our second, this is like a whole, this, we like, what do they say? We overbooked this tonight. We had two run-ins here, Rob. Yeah. Two run-ins yeah. and our, our, our second run into the night, Mr. Ray Cash, sir, any parting thoughts tonight? Well, baby, the dusty finish is all, doesn't always have to be just one time in the match. You know what I'm saying, daddy? <laughs> um, I do have one thing I want to say real fast. It's Ray Cash, R-A-Y's Mysterio, C-A-S, you know, whatever. Ray Hustle on Thread, if you do that, I don't, whatever. Um, no, uh, Adam Cole and MJF has won me over and is maybe outside of Dom, whatever he's doing, and outside of, you know, um, Master Oost Theater, I am really enjoying what they're doing with each other. I think, um, no, I, 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 I bet money you motherfuckers didn't talk about this shit. I just want to say. did not. No, no, no. MJF is a one-trick pony, but that one trick he does is better than anybody else in the world, right? But the the way that he is seemingly... At the same time, being the menacing heel, but being the babyface who's making Adam Cole look smarmy, it, I think it's genius. And, and whatever happens, I doubt I'll care at the end of it when they finally have the big blow off. But I care now. And that's that's big. So I want to just do a tip of the hat. By the way, Tony, if you're going to do this big show in Wembley, which hats off to you, well-deserved, well-earned, and then you want to... You want to grip the people's money back the next week? How about you give them a card that they know that they can buy? That'd be okay. nice, right? Okay, I'm 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 a little confused here. So all out, all so all uh, all in, they got the right, they got that back. That's in Wembley, right? Yes. They're having all out the very next weekend, a pay per view in Chicago. Oh jeez. Oh well. Uh- that, that's going to be really great for the wrestlers. <laughs> right. So so the very next week, they got another pay-per-view that they got to do. And it's like, you're building for this big show, which you, to your credit, 200, 200 uh, Dynamites, three, four years of, you earned this, bro. Like, take this, take this applause. You earned that. This is a victory lap. And, and to go grift and go try to get more, like, who are you going to put on the show? Like that's yeah. that's that's right to me, bro. Yeah, it's like Wembley, that they should be building that to be their WrestleMania. What are you gonna do a week later? That makes there should be man. there should be no like man, you better give me fucking Luther versus Serpentico for the next two weeks after Wembley, bro, because you didn't put everything into that show. Yeah, that, that's right to me. That yeah. I don't like that. All right. Well, last round of horn here. C. W. Anderson. Who? What? 
Oh, I'm sorry. I just I I went back to ECW. I went back to ECW days. I was like, CW Anderson versus Ro- Amish Roadkill. That's what we doing? No, okay. The angry Amish warrior. <laughs> you you will you throw up the hand signs? That's look. This is this is this is either Tupac or CW Anderson. One of the two. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, Rob, do you have any parting thoughts here, buddy? Oh uh, yeah, to everyone listening. Me and Ray, we and Ray, we argue a lot, but we really do love each other. Okay. Oh no, that's my big brother, man. I love yeah. him, man. It's part of the charm when I get these two on the show together, man. They just, they, and, they and just. In in real life, we never argue. It's no, we, podcast. Yeah, no. Yeah, we do it here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I don't really have any parting thoughts. You can follow me at the Mindless Pod. Um, I'm on Instagram and Threads and all that, but that's my personal stuff, and it ain't worth following. Not gonna go anywhere with that. You have been listening to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, as stated before, part of the Chairshot Radio Network. You can find us on thechairshot.com, where we remind you and encourage you to always use your head. You can call it pro wrestling. You can call it sports entertainment. You can call it whatever you want, but call it in the ring, and we're out of here till next week. <laughs>